Adult content intended for an adult audience only. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. Contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link above to further support this writer. X-Ray Vision Part 09 by Elaine Mature Billy. The one-hour copy shop said they could have cards ready by two. Okay, that's two hours, but who's keeping track? Certainly not the skinny tattooed guy with all the piercings behind the counter. He was barely verbal. Never seen somebody so carved up and inked. Debbie Stanfield had a tiny moon tattoo on her left ankle. Her mom made her wear socks to cover it up, even with sandals. And Tony Dirk had that port wine stain, had it from birth, but we all pretended it wasn't there even though it covered half his face. The only piercings I knew about were guys who worked at the fabrication plant, and they were all accidental. This guy had so many rings in one ear, they jingled when he shook his head. Didn't know whether to say something about it, or ignore it like with Tony. So I said nothing. I typed up a simple ad card on their machine. Billy's recovery service. Stuck on a bit of clip art from a sample book. Was gonna use a lost dog cartoon but thought it'd look like an. I lost my dog. Notice. Folks throw those away. I know I do. So I used a magnifying glass and an empty doghouse. Says it all. A short description of services and payment. Greg's phone number. And a dumb slogan. Finding your treasure is our pleasure. Greg is out doing whatever he does. Promised to look for an answering machine. As he left, just handed me a roll of cash from his sock drawer, so I could get started. I avoided blubbering that time, took it without counting and stuffed it in my shorts pocket. Cool as you like, sure I walk around with money like this all the time. Of course it occurred to me I could take it and run, go somewhere else, start over with that wad. Leave Jillian and Gregory to regret the day they met a snotty kid just off the bus. Being trusted was a new thing for me, and I couldn't get around it. If I had any self-respect then I was gonna make good on that. And self-respect, that was my whole deal, the reason I was here and not back in Idaho. Sure I was raised as a goody-good girl. I rebelled against all the other crap, the marrying my cousin plans, the shut-up stay pregnant and barefoot life they had chosen for me. At the core though I had morals, standards. That part had stuck. Being a thieving little shit was not how I saw myself. How did I see myself? I didn't know when I left, just knew I needed to be somebody else. But almost as soon as I got here I started getting ideas. I wanted to be a cool smart cookie like Jillian. I wanted to have enough so I could trust people without blinking, like Greg. I wanted to be radically honest like Nick, no pretenses, no hiding behind words, say it all plain and proud. Maybe I wanted to be a cool bartender that feeds a stranger just because she asked nicely, and really needed it. Gotta make that up to Trevor sometime. But right now I saw myself as hungry. Greg's breakfast had barely filled in the gaps after a week of random bus station snacks until my money ran out. Sleeping so long last night, I'd missed a meal. Now I was behind again, and it was past lunchtime. The copy shop was behind the strip, close to downtown if I had figured this out right the courthouse flag was just visible sometimes, up the hill. There would be food downtown, between here and there. Two more blocks and I had more choices that I knew what to do with. Idaho had cafes, diners, steak and burgers and fries and that was about it. This town had Mexican, Indian, Thai. And what the fuck was Hellenic? Had a picture of a butchered goat in the window, gonna give that a pass for now. Should I go cheap, settle for a burger and fries? It wasn't my money, it was Greg's. But the devil on my shoulder says, you own a business, you are a woman of means. You should act the part, sit down somewhere and eat like hardworking business owners do. So into a Chinese place I go, like I do this all the time. On the outside like a pagoda, red and black, jutting beams and steep tile roof and all. Inside colorful fabric sashes around the ceiling, scrolls on the walls, weird green carved dioramas and frames. Black lacquered tables. This place had a hostess, and she looked like a picture from National Geographic. Some colorful silk duds, goofy raised shoes, hair done up with chopsticks stuck through a bun. Chinese. They have real Chinese people here. The joint in Ketchum was run by Mrs. McGully and her son, their food not much different from the cafe down the street. She put soy sauce on Uncle Ben's and peas and called it fried rice. The lady smiled and said, One today? In real English, don't know what I expected but not that. I nodded, followed her to a booth with a tall back, slid in, took the menu. It had foreign writing all over like chicken scratches but fortunately some English words, enough so I might figure it out. She was gone, but came back with a teapot and an adorable china cup. Poured for me was this really tea? It was green. And smelled like grass. I grinned at her, and she grinned back. What do you think? This is new for me. I didn't have any idea what to do next. Channeling Nick, I was just blurting out the truth fearlessly. She eyed me critically, like it really mattered what I got. Smiled suddenly and said, I suggest, today, sweet and sour pork with dumplings. Sounded good to me, so I handed the menu back. She clattered off on those strange shoes, taking small steps in her silk sheath of a skirt. Did she wear something else at home? I sure hope so. Looking around, late for lunch the place was mostly empty. Only me and a Chinese guy pushing a cart around, wearing all white, clearing dishes. Somebody in the back was swearing in Chinese. I don't know Chinese but I know swearing. I heard a game on a TV back there, his team must be losing. Almost immediately my waitress returned with a plate of slimy steaming dough crescents arranged in a circle, a tiny pot of brown sauce in the middle. Dumplings? Soy sauce? 
I dipped a finger, tasted vinegary. Some sesame seeds floating there. She grinned, got some chopsticks from somewhere in her dress, held them out. I took them, looked blankly at her. She gently took my right hand, put the sticks between my fingers just so, pressed one finger so the sticks opened and closed. Cool. I smiled at her, made my first attempt to pick up a dumpling. It slithered out, plopped on the table. I tried again, got it as far as the sauce pot and oops dropped it in. She clapped happily. You are getting it. Very good. Her enthusiasm was catching. I grinned back, fished it out, got it as far as my mouth. Hot. Tongued it carefully, huffing in and out to cool it off. Finally chewed a bit some kind of meatball stuff in there. Salty and sweet and yummy. Um. I grinned around the bite, tried to keep my mouth closed as I chewed. It was really too much for one bite. She approved, returned to the kitchen smiling. I got through two more before the pork came, steaming on a plate with a bowl of white rice. Sticky rice. Back home when you made rice it had to be loose, individual grains. But this stuff was one big wad in the bowl. I found out why so you could gouge out chunks with those sticks. I managed to get some on the plate, started in on that. The pork was strips, breaded or something, and sauced up with some sugary pinkish orange stuff. First bite I found out why sweet and sour it was both of those things. At the same time, I tried to think what else it was like, but nothing came to mind. Completely new for me. Not ever in my life had such a flavor combination occurred to me. Somehow that got me teary again. One day into my new life, doing new things I would never have done in a million years before. Tasting new things, meeting new people, acting in new ways. Sitting in a restaurant with actual Chinese people. Eating with sticks. I put down the chopsticks and busied myself with the teacup for a while, to cover for my sappiness. Decided the fuck with that, I'm sappy so roll with it. I raised my teacup to the sweet waitress girl across the room, smiled with tears on my cheeks, blew on it and took a drink. Scalding. That sobered me up in a hurry. She saw, hurried over with a glass of ice water. Is it okay? Not too hot. She was concerned for me, seeing my tears now. It's all, very good. Perfect. Sipping the water I put out the fire. Trying the tea again, more carefully, blow and sip. The greenness filled my sinuses, lit up my taste buds. Made me feel like maybe a horse feels eating the first alfalfa hay in spring, fresh and green and somehow strengthening. My little rural mind was blown, and it must have showed. She saw my wide-eyed wonderment, laughed. Jen Maka. Toasted rice with green tea. Not really Chinese. She admitted. Japanese. But my favorite. Wonderful. She smiled contentedly, left me to my lunch. I polished off the pork and half the rice. Returned to the dumplings, made short work of them, getting the hang of the sticks now. Drank that cup of tea and two more, each stronger than the last. Felt at last like my hunger was satisfied, completely, after a week spent hungry, tired and miserable. The bill came, and I was surprised how cheap. On the road I'd learned that the further east you got, the higher the prices but this was not bad. Fishing out my bankroll I slipped off the rubber band, starting pulling bills off. I had thought it would be ones and fives, maybe an occasional tenor. They were twenties. All twenties. There must be what, a thousand dollars here. I sat back and just breathed in and out for a bit, felt my heart racing. A combination of that strong Japanese tea, and my shock at finding I had been carrying around what, a month's pay at any job I'd ever known. A fortune. Greg's casual, breathtaking, foolish, massively unwarranted trust hit like a ton of bricks. Now I had to do right by him, or I would feel like some colossal fuck-up. When my pulse slowed a bit I put a twenty on the tray, re-rolled and stowed the cash wad in my pocket, snagged the receipt for Greg, got up to leave. The waitress called out. Thank you. Hope to see you again. In her sweet accented English. I turned, smiled and waved, jingled out the door. Still not time for the cards to be ready. If I took my sweet time returning, it would be near enough. Plenty to see downtown, shops with apartments above, restaurants, a gas station or two. A tea shop. I went in, and was met by a cloud of tea scents flowers, grass, fruit. Big jars and racks on the wall, hand-labeled. Tables down the middle with teapots, cups, silvery gadgets. Boxes on a table, tea bags, I guess? A nice lady, not Chinese at all but Asian, small with black hair, a narrow face, dressed like an executive. What can I find for you? I didn't want to say. I'm just looking. Which always sounds lame. So I said, Jen Maka? Doing my best to reproduce the sounds my waitress had made. She looked up, thinking, then brightened. Jen Maka? Yes. We have three varieties. She led me to a place on the wall where all the tea was green. We passed red, brown, black, yellow. On the way. Taking each jar down in turn she undid the lid, let me sniff. The first was way greener than what I'd had no thanks, not today. The next was mild, more like grass than alfalfa. Again I shook my head. But like the three bears, the third one was exactly right. Strong green hay smell with a nutty richness, just like at lunch. I smiled, nodded. May I package some for you? A few ounces? I agreed, settled on a quarter pound. When she'd scooped that out and filled the cloth baggie it turned out to be a whopping great wad. T-shirt doesn't weigh much. And what else can I help you find? Something black? Darjeeling? I have just in, some golden tip Assam? We went to the black section, and she offered a sniff. The leaves were small curls, black as sin but occasionally a whitish bit the golden tip I assumed. It smelled viciously strong. I don't imagine it takes much? She shook her head. I recommend using a full teaspoon per cup. Darjeeling is intended to be enjoyed strong. 
That sounded dangerous, so of course I was on board. I asked for just two ounces this time, and it was still a bulging bag. The damages came to quite a bit it took more than one bill. She smiled to see my bankroll, somehow not surprised. Had Greg been here before? I doubted it. He seemed a soda and wine kind of guy. I left the shop sniffing my purchases, reveling in the foreign smells. My nerves were alive from that teapot at lunch, and I felt them respond with a twang. In anticipation of another caffeine hit to come. Moving on. Passing a couple of thrift shops, I found that their idea of thrift here was way above back home. Looked nearly new to me no patches, no faded patterns, no stretch seams. Maybe folks around here only wore things a time or two, then off to the thrift store. Also some upscale department store type places, the things in the window way different from my taste. I'd be happy putting together an eclectic wardrobe from the other places. Save a bundle and weigh more my style. I passed the tie place, remember Jillian's work was above. Looking up I saw only office windows with blinds, no way to tell which was which from outside. No matter, I wouldn't be going there for a while if at all. Time to get back to the copy shop. It was only a few blocks, and took as many minutes. The same skinny guy was lounging behind the counter. Saw me, turned and found a bundle in a cubby, sat it on the counter. Rang it up, waited patiently all without saying a word. Good to see you again too. How's the wife and kids? Yeah, same here. Can't live without M. How about them bears? That was maybe a little snotty, pulling his nonverbal chain like that but it didn't even register on him. He continued to give me a blank look, waiting. I pulled out my wad, made a show of stripping off a couple bills, handed them over. He fiddled with his electronic register, got the drawer open. Counted my change tediously, starting over twice. Not very bright? Or half-stoned, I was familiar enough with stoners growing up. No matter, the change was close. He put my package and receipt in a plastic bag. I took the change, fished out the receipt and put it in my pocket with the last one, hooked the bag over one wrist. It's been a blast, but I gotta go. No, no, can't stay. Catch up next time. Nice talking with you. Still no reaction. My wit is wasted on this guy. Outside I tore into the bundle, took a dozen cards and dumped the rest loose in the bag. They were dry but barely, the ink still shiny. Two colors like I'd wanted. The cardstock was about right. I'd use maybe a lighter weight next time. My graphic was okay, you could figure out what it was. Maybe have worked better to make it fill the card, like a background behind the words. Oh well. What next? Hand out the cards. Marketing, Greg called it. Turning in a circle I surveyed what I could see of the buildings around. Downtown or residential? I think people in their houses might lose precious things more. Like Poochie or Snookums, not a lot of pets downtown. Greg had mentioned crossing the river, lots of working class housing over there. I think rich people are probably a better bet, have the money to pay somebody for every little thing. They always live on top of the hill. The cable operator, the feed mill owner lived on the only hill in Ketchum, in big houses with pillars on the front. So I started uphill. And soon found I was right the pillared mansions were up there, visible from the street soon as I got halfway up. Nobody out on their lawns definitely a rich person neighborhood. If it was anything else, middle class or rooming houses, there'd be people out grilling or washing their car or watching kids. First house I came to, some kind of monstrous pile with a tall center section and two wings. Hike up the driveway, cross the enormous porch or was it a portico? Rich person talk was not my forte. Knock or just stick a card in the door? If I knock and somebody comes, they might tell me to fuck off. And I'd not hardly started marketing yet. Stick it in the door. I reached up with the card just as the door opened. An older lady, maybe fifty, wearing some kind of bathrobe thing with fur and sparkles. Oh. You aren't Jennifer. I was expecting Jennifer. What can I do for you? I adopted my church girl manners for senior ladies. Well ma'am, sorry to bother you ma'am, I'm new around here. Looking to meet the neighbors, let them know I've opened a business. Her face clouded, and she pointed to a tiny sign below her doorbell no soliciting. Whatever the fuck that was. I can see that ma'am, and I don't mean any offense. I was going to leave a card and go, which I can do. I don't want to bother you any, I can see you're busy. She was obviously totally not busy, still in her bedroom clothes and home in the middle of the day. To forestall any further unpleasantness I held out my card with a just little omni church girl smile. I saw her soften, reach for my card. Read it briefly, eyes flickered between the card and me. Well Billy that's you Billy. Well I can see you didn't mean any harm, and being new around here I can forgive your enthusiasm. She paused, scanned the drive, there being nobody else there she settled her gaze back on me. Decided to say something. Jennifer is going to come and help me find my earring. It's her day off but I'm simply lost without her. She said she'd come over once she got back from the doctors, taking her mother for an appointment. I don't know why she couldn't come here first. Anyway, it says here you find things. Could you find my earring? She pointed to one ear, a silver fitting with a little diamond dangle. The other ear nothing. A case. I'd be glad to try, ma'am. My fee is. She talked over me, apparently money was no issue. I was in my dressing room, getting ready for my morning, just got my face on and was arranging my jewelry. I put one earring in and got distracted. My fluffy foo was doing a darling trick with my mascara brush, dancing on two legs, waving the brush in his mouth. Anyway, when I've retrieved the brush, that naughty boy won't leave my things alone. I looked back and the second earring was gone. I know it was there, they were both there when I opened the box I keep them in. This wouldn't be too hard. The earring had to be somewhere, and she was possibly too nearsighted to see it. Just show me where this all happened ma'am, and I'd be glad to do what I can. She brightened like a child, 
turned and swooped into the house leaving the door open. I followed hesitantly, pushed the great massive door closed behind me, like it was on a track or something, it whooshed shut with a solid clunk. She had mounted a curved stairway, halfway up, waiting impatiently. Come along, Billy! I trotted up the steps, caught up with her. At the top was a walkway with several doors, the second door was ajar. A tiny rat terrier was peeking out, scuttled out of sight when he saw me. She breezed into a room, larger than the hole downstairs in the house I'd grown up in, waved dramatically at a massive dressing table against the wall. Like an old stereo console, it was half the room wide with mirrors running along the entire length. The top had a clutter of pots and potions. Also a big jewelry box, open, with a score of tiny boxes inside. One tiny box sat beside, open, empty. I gestured at the table, gave her a may I. Look, got a gratified look in return. The tiny box was indeed empty, two small slots in the velvet where the earrings were supposed to be stuck. A thorough survey of the assembled clutter showed me the earring was nowhere in evidence on the table. Down on hands and knees, head by the floor, look at it sideways. I knew you could find things on the floor better by looking sideways across things stuck out of the flat surface so as you could notice instantly. Crabbing in a circle I scanned the entire place. Nothing but a doggy toy, a nod dog cracker, a crumpled tissue. Picking them up, they concealed nothing. Behind the dressing table? It had legs, and unless the jewelry had got stuck between then it should have been visible on the floor at the baseboard. Nothing. Peering along the crack between table and wall no gap wide enough for anything to slip through. I stood, hands on my hip, turned slowly to consider the room as a whole. Could it have been carried away? What had been here that was now gone, taken away? Could your darling Fluffy have? She shook her head, waved a hand dismissively. I was watching him the whole time. He never came near my dressing table. That didn't mean he hadn't picked it up later, moved it, hidden it. Swallowed it. I would save that option for the end nobody wants to be told to search their dog's droppings for days. Could he have spirited it away after? Where does he sleep? She seemed about to object, but instead pointed to a closet. The door was half open and I could see a dog bed inside. The terrier was peeking over the side, curious. May I? He's such a darling little thing. She smiled, relented. He's mild as a kitten. You may certainly pet him if you like. Fluffy was clearly her pride and joy. I approached slowly, knelt, held out a hand. Fluffy brightened, licked my offered hands, raised his ears in a friendly way. I took the liberty of petting him, and he wriggled almost enough to wriggle out of his skin. Feeling around the perimeter of the dog bed I probed carefully. A dingle ball, a fragment of string. An eyebrow pencil. I liberated that. Nothing else. Standing I stepped back to the middle of the room, closed my eyes, imagined the scene. Lady at her dressing table in her fluffy gown, dog nearby. Moving things, opening things. Unbox an earring, probably both, set them on the dresser top. Put one in. Turn, knock the mascara brush onto the floor doggy grabs it, starts dancing. Smile, corral doggy, get the brush back. Earring gone. Now I knew. Ma'am? Can I ask you to hold out your arms? If you would indulge me. She gave me a doubtful look but did as I asked, extending her arms dramatically as if crucified. I circled her, scanning up and down, missing not an inch. Her shoulders, sleeves, under her arms, back and front. Dropped to my knees, examined the hem carefully. A fringe of lace, dense and frilly all the way around. Crawled around back, looking, looking. And there. Stuck in the hem of the robe, shiny. Where it had caught when her sleeve had knocked both the mascara brush and earring off the table, probably while turning to say something to her fluffy. I extracted it carefully, hopped to my feet, held out the earring. She lit up like a child at Christmas. You clever girl. Oh, you are so good to me. I would never have found it. And on like that, just gushing. She probably would have found it once the hapless Jennifer washed her robe, discovered bent or broken in the dryer. I'd saved Jennifer from an undeserved scolding. Oh, remember to let Jennifer know she doesn't have to come over after all. Poor Jennifer deserved her day off. We returned to the front door, the earring now properly installed, her symmetry restored. What do I owe you? You have been so very helpful. I considered. This lady probably had rich friends. If I gave her a deal and she told people, they'd all want it. Overcharge and she might balk, talk trash about me. Ma'am, since I'm just starting out, if you could do me a favor instead of paying me? I extracted a dozen of my cards. Could you mention my name to any friends who might have a similar need? I know you'd like to be helpful, and it'd mean so much more to me than money, if I could count on your good word. Worth more than gold. I handed over the cards. She smiled a beatific smile, took them, held them close to her chest as I said my goodbyes and left. Outside I hiked to the street, headed down to the next house, thinking. That went well. Maybe twenty minutes start to finish to close the case. If they could all be so easy. I'd used my church girl whiles to charm the lady. Could I keep that up? Did I want to? It had come so easy, after a lifetime spent sucking up to adults who just disrespected me anyway. I got paid for this, in theory anyway. That was a difference. A huge difference. It was customer service, an act, not really me but Billy the businesswoman. That could work. Would Greg mind that I'd not asked for our fee? Would he trust me, believe this was a necessary marketing cost? I'd done the whole job myself, half of the money was mine anyway. If he balked, I could pay his half out of the next job. And Greg probably would not balk. I didn't think he was in this for the money. Gregory. So how did it go? Billy had just come in bearing a copy shop bag and a smile. Great. Got half the cards stuck indoors. Even did a freebie, a rich lady on the hill, gave her some cards to spread around to her friends. 
She said that like she wasn't certain I would approve. Good idea. Nothing better than a recommendation from a friend to build our reputation. Relief was evident. I don't know why she craved my approval. I guess I don't have to know. She feels what she feels. Not my business to give her emotional instruction. Maybe we can sort that out though. You know, this is your business too. I'm happy to hear what decisions you've made. We agreed marketing was your department. I won't be second-guessing you. Not now. Not ever. More than relief now. Something in her back straightened. I mean really. I could see it happen. Held her head higher unconsciously. Confidence I think. She fished a card from the bag. Handed it over. I fingered the card. Smiled at the picture. The slogan. Nice. Gets the message across in the fewest words. Memorable. And I love the weight. Says quality without saying a word. Let me tell you what I've done. I bought a cash box. An answering machine. Used from a thrift store. I showed her the box, gave her one of the keys which she took, her hand wavering just a bit. For some reason, money-related issues were a sensitive point with her. I'd have to hit up Julian about that. I am pretty tone-deaf when it comes to money anymore. The machine uses a tape, but it should work for our purposes? The answering machine was in the original box, faded and worn. She pulled it out, sorted out the cables, plugged it into the wall and the phone into the machine. Clearly the more technical partner in our deal. Pushing the messages button we heard some old guy start in about screening his calls or some such. She poked some more buttons, found the record feature, started talking into it. Hey, this is Billy's recovery service. Our pleasure to find your treasure. Leave a number at the tone, and a little about what needs finding. We'll get right back to you. She used a voice I'd not heard out of her before. Friendly, agreeable, respectful. Not a particle of snark. I learn more about this young woman every time we work together. Billy played it back. We heard her through the speaker, a little tinny, then the beep. She pressed something, confirming the message I suppose, and set it in working mode somehow. She remembered, pulled some receipts from a pocket, handed them over. I took them, opened the cash box, took the tray out, laid them flat in the bottom with the receipts from the thrift store I'd put in there already. Reassembled it. We'll need those come tax time. I didn't really know about that. I hadn't paid anything but inheritance tax and property tax in a decade. But it seemed plausible. For some reason the cash box had arrested her attention. Maybe the cash in it? I'd unrolled one of my sock drawer bundles, sorted it into the tray already. Just a thousand or so, it should keep us for a month maybe. She seemed nervous about something. You keeping track of your cash additions? That'll have to come out of income before we take anything off the top. That made sense. I considered. I'll put a tally in there with the receipts. We can settle up every month out of what the business earned, minus your part off the top of course. Your pay is a business expense. Take a dividend when the business has accumulated enough. She kept half of what she earned by herself, as pay. That was our agreement. After you get your investment back, right? Important to her. Why? I could figure out why easily enough. She needed this business to be hers too, not just my deal with her on the side. As long as it ran on my money, she would play second fiddle to me. That makes sense. If it takes a couple months, even a year, that's fine. We'll tally each month, pay the bills, figure out what we want to pay back, what to save, what to bank for anything we may need. She looked relieved again. So, good answer Greg. You're figuring this partner stuff out pretty fast. We put a slip of notepaper in the box with $2,000 marked down as cash infusion, the money in the box plus what Billy carried around. Put the box in a cupboard under the counter, someplace nobody would likely look. Maybe we needed a safe? I didn't think so, nobody had ever come in here uninvited. We could rethink that once we had profits. Jillian came home then, and we got into some kissy snuggle time which drove Billy to her room. That might be an issue. Would we have to coordinate our time together with Billy's time away? Didn't want to make anybody uncomfortable, but I sure wasn't enthusiastic about losing any naked resting opportunities. Jillian was running through her day. Time to pay attention. Boyfriend duties came first. So I spilled something about your second sight. At the tea room with Kang, she wants to know more. I said I'd tell all, sister night on Sunday. She looked seriously at me. This gonna be okay? You can still change your mind. I shook my head. It's overdue. I'm done making up stories. I got caught in one already. Remembering Mr. Ho the jeweler. I don't want to be remembering what story I told to who. It's embarrassing and demeaning to everybody. Kang can know everything, ask any question she wants, get a straight answer. My dear sister-in-law deserves that. My future grandfather-in-law too. I got some more kissy snuggle action for that. Sweet. Doing the right thing has many side benefits. Supper happened next, just some fried stuff and something thawed from the freezer. We had to cook more now, three mouths to feed. Both Jillian and Billy were extra hungry too, both must have put in a full day. After, sitting on the porch with wine coolers for the two of us, that kiwi orange something in a can for Billy, Jillian spoke up. Billy? You want to explore tonight? Maybe spend some time on the boardwalk, seeing the sights? See a show? Learn more about your new home. Billy looked at her, then at me, then smiled a saucy smile. Sure, I can get out of your way, give you two some privacy. Maybe go say thanks to Trevor. See the ocean at night. We didn't have one of those in Idaho. I think I got some color in my cheeks at that. Jillian just smiled, nodded, satisfied. No shame, that girl. Don't stay out too late. It can be hard to find the porch stairs from the beach at night. I'll leave the light on. Always the considerate hostess. Billy sucked down the end of her drink, hopped up from sitting cross-legged on the floor to standing, effortlessly. Handed me the empty can, banged out the screen door with a cheery. See you in a few. We heard her tromp down the long flight of stairs, 
and I saw her head out across the sand in the direction of the lights and noise. Jillian got right down to business, pulling me over to do some serious tongue-sucking and shirt-groping. I have no objection to a horny girlfriend. But wow, she was wasting no time. When she came up for air. What's the big hurry? We have all evening. Jillian shook her head. We have ninety minutes, maybe a little more. Days are getting shorter. Most stuff closes on the boardwalk by dusk. And she's too young to get into any clubs, never mind that paper she carries. That reminded me. Are we okay with her going off alone? At night? Is she old enough to manage the hawkers, tourists, pickpockets? Jillian gave me a fond look, which meant you silly man and girlfriend speak. She's old enough to cross the entire country on her own, to find a new life. To become an emancipated minor. The boardwalk will be fine. That was the end of the talking. Jillian got down to serious sexing up which extinguished my objections. Most conscious thought in fact. I had a hard time following any coherent train of thought when this healthy athletic horny female started pulling off my clothes. Without preamble she stripped my shirt down my arms, left me to struggle out of it, slithered onto the floor, tugged my shorts down and off, insinuated herself between my knees and took me in hand. With a vigorous slurp. I was being treated to a professional grade cock sucking. Two hands stripped up and down my rapidly hardening member while her mouth and tongue worked over the head and all the shaft she could conveniently get inside. With what remained of my brain it occurred to me, boobies down there. I grabbed and pulled up on the collar of her shirt. She cooperated one arm at a time, releasing me, pulling the arm through the sleeve holes, grabbing back on and repeat with the other. Bobbed her head off my dick and ducked through the neck hole without bothering with buttons. Instantly she was back to slurping and sucking pop. At the end of my now elongated prick, naked to the waist, I pulled her up by the armpits so I could get access to those delicious breasts. She rose, her head bending down, down to keep her mouth on me as long as she could until schluck. She came off, spit drooling from lips in a ropey string. Putting one hand on my forehead she made me pause, sipped the skirt and let it drop, stepped out, kicked it across the porch. Tugged her panties off her hips, let them fall, took one foot out but left them dangling from the other ankle. Wow that was sexy for some reason. Naked girl but for panties shamelessly bunched around one foot, ready to be debauched by her guy. I slid forward so she could get her knees on up the seat, one on each side, struggle up my body holding my dick, get it under her hips and stuck into her wet warm. Releasing she raised her body up, bringing my cock along by the tip stuck gently into her folds. Aimed her hips and ung. Struggled down as I impaled her sex with mine, inch by mine melting inch into her sopping cooch. Boobs. Right in front of my face. I remembered to suck one into my mouth, all I could fit, as she began rocking gently up and down, sliding my length slightly out of her body and then umph back in again, to the root, cunt to pelvis, grinding impaled. This was a new angle, one we hadn't tried before and it was wonderful and sexy and oh so deep. But it was hard to keep my mouth on her. I was bent nearly in half, my shoulders propped up by the back of the couch, the rest of me laid out for her to ride, my neck at an acute angle trying to follow her bobbing nipple. I did my best, constantly distracted by her wet insides slithering along my stiff cock. I'd get a good latch onto a tit, suck vigorously and then pop. She'd rise up to leave my wet exposed skin chilled by the evening breeze, shocking me. Fortunately the tip was always snuggled warm inside her body, right where it wanted to be. And when she'd slowly re-impale herself on my thick stiff sex I'd feel warm and safe again, deep in my girl, made it to her, pleasing her. The erratic way I attached and licked, only to be pulled free as she rose back up, then down and reattach, did something to her. She was totally in charge, doing all the moving, all the fucking, while I could only hold her sides and suck at one tit at a time as it went past but it was enough to set her off. She must have been thinking about this, about fucking her boyfriend, had a hair trigger because before I was halfway to ball-clenching spume-squirting orgasm she was already clutching me with her insides, her legs trying to scissor my hips, her hands gripping my chest fur, her cunt clenching and unclenching. She went with it, unashamedly, wanting this orgasm and taking it. Fell forward onto me, eyes tight shut as I saw the ripples run up her vagina, fluids release and flow, see her uterus tipping to mate with my tip but nothing forthcoming, no semen to lubricate her passage. I waited her out, Watched her come inside and out, tried to move my hips a little to keep it fun but with her weight now bearing down on me, her pussy grinding on my pelvis, this bundle of hot sexy coming woman pinning me to the couch. She didn't seem to mind, at all. Her orgasm took some considerable time to work through, each time it diminished she'd grind some more and come some more, the ripples restarting, repeating, seemingly as many times as she wanted. Totally selfish, getting every ounce of her orgasm out, unworried and unashamed. Utterly confident in me, trusting me to let her come, let her enjoy me fully, take everything she wanted without really taking anything away from me at all. Half a dozen orgasmic spasms and she collapsed, spent, soft and jiggly on top of me, all warm and squishy and wet inside and out. Her nipples squashed between us, fat from being sucked, doing surgery on my torso as she breathed deeply, her diaphragm moving her insides around my still-encased still-stiff prick. A sexy post-copulation mammal riding my body like her personal body cushion. And my manhood chose then to explode, my balls finding something in her relaxed just-fucked body to get really excited about. Those dangling panties, her stiff nipples nubbling against my skin, the way she'd attacked me and fucked me single-mindedly, her selfish kind loving orgasm with a mind of their own began their overdue clenching and pumping. My spew filling her vagina, seeping around and into the folds of her cervix, surging down the length of our coupled sex to fizz out and blop onto my matted wet pubic hair, run down between my thighs to stain the couch. She raised up, craned her neck to check our connection, that she'd felt right, that I was coming in her. 
looked back up, right in my eyes, and kissed me, worked her sex on mine to make everything slide just a little bit more in that cum-lubricated way that feels so ultimately slickery and sexy. My eyes crossed, my lips in a slack idiot gape, her tongue raping my mouth so I would clench just a few times more, surrender just a little more semen to her. When I'd recovered too, come all I could, all I had, felt that lovely orgasm pleasure course through me, cocked to hips to torso to brain, my eyes refocusing, seeing her sitting up now, her tits red and nipples bloomed, a wicked leer on her pretty face, she spoke. Somebody likes to be used, violated, taken by his girlfriend. I nodded enthusiastically. That was so, so. I had no words. And it didn't take 90 minutes. She giggled, my girl again, Jill, my partner and friend, my fuck buddy. Raised herself up, up and off, let me flop free, stepped back onto one leg at a time, got her balance she'd been thoroughly fucked too. A little unsteady for all her bold words. I had a happy thought. This could work. We only need a couple minutes, send Billy out for some bread and milk. All we need. She padded naked to the door into the condo, calling over her shoulder. Oh, we're not done. We're gonna fill 90 minutes easy. I had my doubts. Turns out, she had a plan. Came back with some energy drinks, something from a Vietnamese market decorated with suggestive bedewed orchids and exploding cartoon rockets. Made me drink one while she drank the other. Kind of sickly sweet and sour, some ginger and lots of other stuff. Anyway, either through the power of the herbs or the power of suggestion, we both got our energy back in just a few minutes. And by energy I mean, carnal lust. She looked at me like a predator, threw her empty can away to clonk and roll around on the porch floor, pulled me up by one hand. Knelt on the couch, her arms on the back, her oh-so-pretty but stuck out, wiggled it lewdly. Put her in there, she ordered. I wasn't done drinking, so with cock extended I approached, can of energy drink in one hand, other hand placed on the middle of her hips, probed around with my wet dick, found her warm entrance. Pushed firmly, my hips jutting forward obscenely. She rocked back abruptly, getting me halfway there in one thrust. It was easy. She was open and wet and cummy, inside and out, slick as snot. I was still pretty damp, the evening air having done, but little to dry my cock. Now I was in charge. I finished the coupling, leaned on my arm and stepping forward a half-step, easing myself home. When my hips met her but I reversed, rearing my hips back like a bull and thrust. Each stroke I'd feel the chill air on my wet member then hop. She'd gasp as I humped at home, warm and wet and slippery. Taking sips from my can, holding one hand palm down on the small of her back, using her body, her cunt for my personal pleasure. Looking around at the porch, the beach, the shore as I took my time, masturbating using her wet hole, admiring the sun as it approached the horizon. This was the life. When the drink was done I threw the can aside like she'd done, let it roll across the floor. Now with two hands I gripped her hips, and instead of thrusting I pushed her forward then pulled. Her back onto my cock, dicking her cunt at my own pace. You fucking bastard! Fuck me right! Pound my twat! Make me take it! She started in on her sex talk rough and lewd, for her benefit or mine it didn't matter, it was hot. I picked up the pace, but just a little. I was going to savor this one, use her body fully, get everything out of this fuck, all for me. Fucking fucker! Umph! Shove it in there! Hup! Fuck! Yuh! Push it in! Hup! Make me gag on it! Umph! Sheesh! Where did all this come from? Was she watching porn over at Kang's? Wouldn't put it past them, those two got into all sorts of shit. Each stroke she had something to say, until she was getting close and descended into guttural noises. Gah! Foo! Shove I! Hup! Make me! Umph! Gee gee! She was close. Her hips began shaking. But more importantly her vagus nerve went into action, digestion frozen, bladder constricting, uterus tensing and swelling. Reproductive act imminent. Okay, time to end this. I combined pulling her hips back with thrusting mine forward, smacking into her butt, slapping my balls into her cunt, her clit on each stroke. That adorable clit reddened, swelled, began sending shuddering signals to her vagina on each impact. She was past speech, just hyperventilating, gasping, quirking her knees. I held her up by her hips, feet leaving the floor, continued banging her cunt as her orgasm swelled, broke over her. This time I came as she did, timing my final thrust to match her convulsions, putting my cock as deep as I knew how, buried to my root, my kinky hair tangled with hers, coming fitfully into her with stray spurts of my remaining semen as she released what fluid she had left in her glands, her urethra. As I held it in her, reveling in her vaginal contraction on my shuddering dick, her bladder constricted, hard. She squirted copious urine and sex fluid onto my member, out her cunt lips, down my legs to drizzle and pool on the floor at our feet, helpless to control it, to control anything. As her convulsions emptied her bladder I struggled to hold her up, the floor now slippery from pee, my knees weak, my dick still pulsing out my orgasm into her slippery fuck tube. Jill's arms gave out, and she slumped off the back of the couch onto the seat. I released her to curl up in a fetal position, my cock pulled rudely free, her hands clutching the fabric, knees pulled up to her chest, twitching, spraying fitfully from her clenched cunt, face screwed up in ecstatic agony. I slumped down beside her, leaned back hard, breathing from my diaphragm, restoring oxygen to my body, my nerves recovering. My cock wet and happy, utterly spent, recoiling on my lap and releasing clots of cum from the tip as it reduced in volume. When she finished quivering she unfolded, inchwormed over on her back, draped her legs on my lap. You fucker! I grinned. That's what they call me. She didn't respond, just breathing, moving her limbs carefully, testing out her muscles. I'm gonna be sore tomorrow. That seemed likely. I'd seen those legs' muscles clenching, even cramping. 
I took one of her calves in hand, began working at the sore muscle. She recoiled at first, then relaxed, made happy sounds, let me do it. Conversationally. I think I like helpless Jillian. She's hot. All those sexy raunchy words. That passion. That butt. I could really get into her. This time she did respond, made to kick my thigh but gently, subsided. Let me knead out the other leg muscles. When I started up her thigh, tried to get close to sexy places she pulled her legs back, sat up. Nah, Billy will be back soon. I doubted it, could see she'd not started up the beach yet. Nobody was out there now, all headed to the clubs as the sun was halfway down. But we had some cleaning up to do. Pee all over the floor. The couch. Clothes everywhere. Cum stains on the fabric, on our bodies. I think clean first, shower after. She agreed. So we cleaned up the porch with a mop and bucket and rags, kept in the utility room by the polite Japanese gentleman who came in bi-weekly, not intended for this but worked well enough. Watching my naked Jillian mopping while I scrubbed stubborn spots, blotted up pee and cum, I whistled tunelessly. Enjoyed the view, her breasts bobbing with athletic motion of the handle, really getting her hips into it, her butt bobbing this way and that. Clearly an expert at mopping. All that time in foster homes I supposed. She saw me perving, grinned, continued. Work can be fun too. I observed cheerfully. Jill went to slush the mop in the bucket, gave my dick a companionable yank as she brushed into me. All good fun. While she rinsed the mop, the bucket and put them away I gathered soggy rags, cleaning supplies, clothes. The cans I crushed, put in a box outside the street door, there for recycling. Glanced around, all clear. Made a dash for the laundry room and dumped our clothes, rags into the washer. No coins, drat. Dashed back, raided our stash, made one more bare-naked run to load the slots, press start. A problem, should we shower together in the hallway bathroom? Get caught coming out naked when Billy returned? Jillian solved it by leading me to my, our, bedroom, to my tiny one-person shower stall. Started the water and when it warmed she pulled me in, grappled lazily, leaning on the wall, one leg wrapped around mine, arms around me, just enjoying the warm spray. I resisted all the sex things I thought up, let her enjoy the moment, enjoy my body held in hers as the warm water soothed our sensitized skin. After a bit I soaked my hands and stroked her, her shoulders. That worked. She shuffled around, stood straight, let me soak the rest of her. I did a thorough job, missing nothing, working lather into every limb and lip. Backing into the corner, I let her rinse in the spray, all to herself. Then we traded places, me getting all my bits lathered and stroked, then her leaning in the corner, looking at me impudently, naked and wet and clean and shiny and knowing I wouldn't do anything, letting me look while I washed the soap and slime away. She rinsed again, having gotten soapy from me in the confined space. I shut off the water, but when she tried to step out I put a hand to her shoulder. She began to protest, but I immediately began stropping water from her shoulders, her back, her arms. She figured it out, let me run my hands over her limbs, getting the worst of the wet off. She returned the favor, spending a lot of time on my chest, my stomach, enjoying the intimate service in the confined space. We emerged mostly dry, shared the one towel I had in there, no need to risk the laundry closet in the hall, Billy surprising us prancing around bare naked. We were out on the love seat in the condo, dressed again, sipping more wine when I saw Billy coming up the beach, taking her time, giving us time. On the steps she clomped loudly, then called out as she got to the screen door. I'm back. Get decent. I don't want to know what you were up to. Jillian smiled warmly, her post-fuck softness still going strong. I blushed a little not used to sharing my personal space with a brazen fifteen-year-old. Come on in. Jillian sang out, greeted her with a smile when she appeared. For her part she studied our faces, our soft lazy expressions, came to the correct conclusion. Rolled her eyes, went to the fridge for another fruity beverage. How was the boardwalk? I was curious to know her preferences, what she'd discovered on her own. She shrugged. There. Bright. Crowded. Full of suckers. Crack. Took a loud slurp from her can. Her usual theatrical pessimism, absolutely right for a fifteen-year-old. Did you see Trevor? She brightened. Yup. Remembered my name, said hi. I thought he might be sore, but no. He's a chill guy. Let me try their sweet potato fries, a new thing. Pretty good. Same thing Nick had said, Trevor was chill. I guess it was true. Jill had had her doubts at first, but Trevor had come through with flying colors. Folks want to be helpful, want to do the right thing. They just have to work out what that is. It's not obvious sometimes. Takes a while. Trevor had figured it out, enough of it anyway. Did you take in a show? There were two movie theaters on the strip, plus a live theater. She not had time for that I didn't think. Nope. Gotta earn my first pay before I start spending it. That was responsible of her. It hadn't occurred to me, didn't matter to me what she spent. But it did to her, and that reflected well on her I figured. That stage theater? It's got shows for dykes. Blunt, impertinent. Pure Billy. Jillian nodded. I've been there. A lot of fun. Billy colored at that, not sure what to think of a dyke theater going Jillian. Clearly confused, how that could even be a thing, as Jillian had just fucked a guy. Jillian laughed, then stopped not wanting to make Billy feel foolish. I went with Kang. She's got lots of girlfriends that go. The shows are great, even if you're not perving on the girls. Musical theater. Good singers. Beautiful costumes. All pretty tame. That made more sense. Billy digested it. Jill didn't mention she'd gone as Kang's date before they knew they were sisters. Nor the constant freaking going on in the audience. Best leave that for another time. It had been a long day. Billy started to droop, and so did Jillian.
I kept up some conversation for a while but it was hard going. Finally I shooed everybody to bed, turned out some lights, headed to our bedroom. Jill was in bed, spread eagle, naked. Out like a light. Turns out you fuck the daylights out of a girl, she needs her rest afterward. Billy didn't take much longer to get to sleep. I tried not to look. I not felt comfortable with seeing 15-year-old since, well, since I was 15. But I can't not see you know. I verified she was well and healthy, everything where it needed to be. Had everything she required toothbrush, bedclothes, sleepwear. She lay on her back for a while, thinking I supposed. Then rolled onto her side, was asleep in seconds. To be young again. I took my usual 15 minutes to drift off, thinking about our new home situation. Pretty pleased, all told. Everybody getting along, everybody occupied and satisfied, one way or another. The astronauts in the space station were also well satisfied, having some bedtime nookie as they orbited into twilight. Billy. Hard to keep track of the week, now that her life didn't orbit around church events. Probably Thursday? Back home? No, back in Idaho she'd have choir in the morning, Bible study over lunch, elder care dinners to prepare in the afternoon. She actually missed that. The old folks were so grateful for a hot meal. And often more forgiving that the busy adults, who had rigid ideas about how a young woman should deport herself. She'd heard some wild stories from wheelchair-bound blue-haired ladies, sowing some pretty wild oats in their prime. But now, in charge of her own schedule, nobody to answer to, do what she needed to take care of Billy. And her business partner, he had expectations. But Greg was so chill it'd be hard to excite him. The problem was going to be, to remember to do right by him since he wouldn't bitch no matter what. She figured the most kickback she'd get from any mistakes or indiscretions would be, his disappointment. Which for some reason mattered to her. No, she didn't want to feel ruled by some old guy with money. But Greg, well he was different. Not so much be ruled by his expectations, as wanting to do well and impress him. Digging around in her brain as she walked, wondering how that was any different, she came up with something. She wanted to do it, because she wanted to be respected for her skills, her efforts. She was doing this for herself. That mattered. That was the whole deal right there. And Greg was a handy guy to hang that impulse on. Because it didn't really matter if she impressed him or not. Especially because of that. It was all about her self-image, self-respect. Which was a new feeling for her. She'd been rejecting censure and criticism so long she wasn't even sure what her self-image was anymore, just what it wasn't. So build a new one. A kick-butt businesswoman with plans. A housemate that contributed, made everybody's day easier. A cool woman that could hold her own in a partnership. That would do for now. Over the hill from the Ritzbits' houses was another row of ranch-style rambling properties. Peering between the trees she could spot a golf course beyond. So these must be the high muckety-mucks, could afford premium locations on the ninth green. Not likely to catch any of them at home. Maybe some functionary, but she figured she could handle their pushback. If she met anybody at all. Just apologize for disturbing them, make her ask, move on. Trouble was, it was a hike between properties, then those long drives. Felt conspicuous walking two minutes up to a door, sticking one card in, then hike back to the street. She didn't figure it was good marketing to cut across lawns, trespass. Don't want that reputation, not before anybody knew who she was, what she was up to. So she walked and walked. Feet a little sore already, after yesterday's canvassing then the jaunt up and down the boardwalk, in tennis shoes that should really have been replaced months ago. But she'd let that go, had been saving money to file her paperwork then buy a bus ticket to anywhere. Gotta earn some cash. So much baggage, old clothes, worn shoes. Need to see a dentist sometime, maybe an optometrist. Get a haircut. Didn't young adults do that shit? Take care of themselves? Then there was Trevor. She owed him for more than a plate of bar snacks. She owed him some friendship, some favor a peer owed an acquaintance. Because he'd been so ready to help, she had to help him right back. That's what cool people did, right? Help without being asked. Maybe he had something lost, she could find it. That would be sweet. Right up her alley. A dog barked at this place, brick ranch style but two stories over the three-bay garage. A big scary beast lumbered around from the shade behind the garage. A guard dog? Shit. It kept lumbering toward her, sounding loud and maybe mean. She stopped in the drive, held her ground. Show no fear. It stopped abruptly, halfway down the drive, stood as if nailed there, looking at her, giving an occasional bark. She could see a collar, studded black. Was something bulky fastened to it? An invisible fence. This beast couldn't go any further without getting a shock from a device in the collar. Some radio gadget, or maybe a buried wire. They had those at the turkey processing plant in Ketchum. No fences, but plenty of guard dogs. Retreat? Or try it? Heck, this dog was probably a pushover, just there for show, to keep riffraff out. Or a killer that would tear her throat out. She walked confidently up the drive, looking past the dog, noticing him but not reacting to his bluff. Stopped when they were six feet apart, him barking his head off. Just ignore him, let him know you're not afraid of his shit. It took most of a minute, then he abruptly stopped, lay down. Whined, tried to creep forward, winced, crept back. Good doggy. You lay right there, like a nice pack puppy, my friend. You don't want to bite me. You just want some love and attention. She continued in this vein for a while, saying nonsense in a sing-song voice, making no sudden moves. Take a half-step forward, stop. Repeat. Each time he shivered in excitement, made as if to creep forward then thought better of it. Clearly wanting to meet her, afraid of the fence. When they were two feet apart she turned to address him. He wriggled so hard, so excited, she was worried he'd dislocate something. You left alone here every day? Nobody to play with? Poor puppy. You're a sweet puppy, aren't you? 
She squatted, looked at him, waited him out. When he calmed she reached out one hand slowly, palm up for him to sniff. When he could reach without getting zapped he sniffed her hand thoroughly. Then licked her fingers, very very gently. Gave a little rough. Okay for now. Did she want to risk it? Would he be okay with her approaching the house? If somebody came to the door would he go bonkers again? Old Billy would have fled. But new improved Billy? What would she do? She'd be fearless. Even if it was stupid foolish, she needed to do this. Prove she wasn't a scared bullied kid anymore. Take whatever shit went down, lesson learned but she would move forward without cringing. Standing, she walked slowly past the dog, into range. He hopped up, fell in behind her, under her right hand. Like he'd been trained to do? She found his head just under her fingers. Jesus, this dog was big. Leaned a little, gave him a pat, a ruffle behind the ears, kept walking. Got a whine, sounded satisfied this time, happy doggy sound. Up to the porch, he stayed back, wouldn't go up the step. Again, as if he'd been trained to stay out of the house. This was some dog. Even the hunting dogs back in Idaho weren't disobedient. Clump up to the door, jam a half dozen cards behind the mailbox. Not inside it. That could be seen as too forward, just left in a place where they could be found. And a half dozen because she wasn't sure she would do this again, brave this particular porch again. Turned to go, saw a happy tongue lolling dog sitting, waiting, relaxed. We're going back to the road, Roscoe. Hup. Fall in. That was as good a name as any, for a big dog. Roscoe fell in beside her, in his element, knowing his place. A good dog. He didn't budge an inch from her side until she crossed the magic line. She noticed he was gone, turned to look. This monstrous killer guard dog was looking at her with giant sad puppy eyes, like his best friend had died. Her heart melted. Stop, retrace, Neil. Love up the beast with both hands, petting his muzzle, his head, scruffing behind his ears, on his neck. Roscoe went into absolute paralytic ecstasy, leaning into her so hard he pushed her back, then fell over. Laughing, she waited for him to stand again, gave him another careful petting, said her goodbyes. I'll be back. See you again. You big baby. He gave a little rough. Back out to the street, Roscoe, was still watching her, gave a little goodbye bark. Turned and walked back to his shade behind the garage. Well, every dog wasn't going to be like that, but this time it sure worked. She had a new best friend. And a new confidence, born of braving obstacles and facing fear. And big dogs. Greg. Today Jillian had taken the truck, for her own reasons. Maybe some errands to run. No matter. Her Thursdays were her own. Whistling tunelessly over the stove, frying some leftover ham, sandwich bread in the toaster, planning a ham and cheese for lunch. Content. At peace, in my proper place which was not far from heaven. Billy wouldn't be back before supper, wanted to spend a whole day marketing. He'd said at breakfast he'd stick around, answer the phone as needed. Not a problem as it hadn't rung yet. Just me hanging around, errands, doing laundry, called the cleaner to schedule an extra visit, we were three now. Called the shop for Jillian, get the truck in for an oil change. Facing the street side, I saw a truck pass through my sight line but didn't pay any attention. Intermittent vehicles all day, I'd learned to ignore traffic as so much noise. The front door opened, looked up, first I was aware it was Jillian. Sweetheart. Home for some sweet, sweet loving. Jillian sang out, slamming the front door, shucking out of her shoes and jacket, abandoning them in the hall. Here. In the kitchen. Jillian breezed in, finding me with a spatula in one hand, mouth hanging open. She took the spatula from me, turned off the burner. Put one hand to my jaw, closed my mouth with a click. Expecting someone else? Hmm? She wrapped herself around me, nuzzled my neck, purred into my ear. Nipped my earlobe. No. Nobody. I thought. I thought, would I prefer to go out with the crew, get some chop suey and dumplings? Or would I prefer to come home for a nooner with the love of my life? I was smiling now, clued into the program and happy with her decision. Took her in my arms and kissed her thoroughly. Broke the clinch, took her by the hand to lead her to the bedroom. She resisted. Uh, just a few minutes, not gonna be a full naked snuggle and hump. Ten minutes to get here, to get back. Do back by quarter till. Gotta improvise. I saw the clock in Billy's bedroom, quarter after. That left less than twenty minutes. Better get this show on the road. She spun, pulled me to the porch, sat me in the stuffed sun chair. Pulled me up again, tugged my shorts down to my ankles, pushed me back down. All this bossy stuff had me stiffening, no special effort on my part, just lusting after my pushy sexy partner, excited to see what she had planned. She was wearing a short skirt, sleeveless top, something she'd shown up with last week, saying pants and blouses were too much trouble sometimes. I think she meant, too much to take off when she was horny. Hitched up the skirt, tucked it in its own waistband. Hooked her panties with her thumbs, stripped them down to her ankles in one motion. Okay my dick was bobbing now. Jillian pulled the silky nothings off one foot, tugged them back up her other thigh, clung there like a garter. All in the interest of efficiency. Raising one leg over mine, she settled on my lap, smiling a wicked smile. Tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna suck this sausage, get it down my throat as far as it'll go without power assist. Throat fuck you like a New York hoe. Then when you're sure you can't take any more I'll pull off, point this torpedo at my sopping hot cooch, hunker down like I'm doing squats, pump you inside my sexy hot cunt till we both boil over. Deal? I nodded mute, already aware I was gonna have to work hard not to pop in the first five minutes. She slid back, took my member in both hands, spit on me, slobbered all over the plump seeping end. Jammed her mouth on me, struggled to get it to the back of her throat, gagging slightly. Shit woman. That was hot. My sex kamikaze going in. 
I widened my legs, held her hair back. To get a better angle she came up for air, slid further down my lap, thought about it. Grabbed a cushion, knelt on it. Now she could aim me as needed, which was forward mostly. A little uncomfortable. I sat up, tilted my hips, offered it to her like a slave boy serving his mistress. Here. Take my dick. I'll stick it anywhere you want. This way she could crane her neck, mouth forward, a straighter path from lips to gullet. Bobbing forward and back, two hands guiding me, she plugged it into her head, her throat. Push, gag, pull off, breathe. Plug again. And slee-eyed I went down like a foot-long hot dog. Oh my god, this was new and raw and shameless and hot. The woman I loved, holding her breath, holding me in her mouth, her throat. I could see myself sliding in her neck, her muscles clutching, swallowing, pulling my dick into her body, waves of contraction struggling to contain it all, propel me into her core. She eased forward, back, forward, back, working me, masturbating my dick with her gullet, swallowing, gulping, slobbering. Saw me watching her, grinned a sloppy grin around my dick, mouth full. Closed her eyes, jammed herself forward violently, getting me the furthest yet. Okay, that was about all I could stand, and watching her strain herself for me was hard to endure. Jesus woman! I'm close! Not a lie, I could come at any time. She slowly, slowly backed off, letting me feel every inch come out of her, feeling me slither free, out of her head like hankies from a circus clown's pocket, more and more, dripping snot and spit. Coughing, grinning, she hopped up, kicked the cushion away, restraddled me. Taking my sticky, slimy cock in one hand, the other with fingers spread, holding her cunt open, she humped her hips until I was snug in her sex opening. Aching to be inside her, come in her. With a long, deep breath she started down, down, knees bending, getting me in there, in her, moving forward as her wet lips swallowed every inch, approached my root. When I was fully seated, tips smushed against her cervix, her wet insides coming to terms with a fat member lodged deep, she relaxed, sat on my lap. Bent me twisty inside her, squashed into a space too short to contain me. It hurt a little. It felt like heaven. I didn't want to move, just let her hold me wet and warm, at home in her body, where I was meant to be. But Kamikaze woman had other ideas. Repositioning her bare feet just right, she tensed, raised up an inch, then dropped down. Ouch. Huff. She saw the sweet pain on my face, read me right, knowing the strain was keeping me from popping right then and there, a good hurt. Did this again, huff. Again. Again. Getting into the rhythm now, fucking my cock with her sex, taking me for her pleasure, making me work for my orgasm, working for hers. For a minute, two minutes, regular humping, up and down. I figured out, that tank top didn't stop much, slipped both hands up under into her tits, stretching the hem, thumbing her nipples, rubbing in circles. Saw her innards tense, clutching from the sensation. She smiled, eyes still closed, kept it up. Shuffled the bare feet again, and now a little further up, paused, then down. I was harder now, somehow, or she was deeper, somehow, because we seemed to fit better. Hands on my shoulders, she leaned forward, raised herself the furthest yet, left me just a few inches inside, just enough to keep everything straight, then back down. Slower this time, slow and long and wet and hot and oh. There she goes, her uterus moving, her vagina starting those involuntary ripples. Her vagus nerve quelling her gut, tensing her bladder, ready to twitch and send her over. She figured it out just as I saw it, made the next one count, rose up, using those kegel muscles to clutch at me hard, relaxing, enjoying the ride, letting my cock stroke her insides just right, send her past the point of no return. Greg! She spoke, surprised, shuddered, bent her head to my shoulder, sat on me hard, coming and coming without reservation her body loving my dick, stoking my shaft to urge that hot semen into her womb, where it could fertilize her sweet egg. I looked closely, looked at her uterus, something was different, something was bigger or swelled or tipped, oh, oh, this one wouldn't matter couldn't count. Because it had already happened, this egg had found its home, met its fate, made her body respond, do the things it needed to ensure a successful implantation. My Jillian was pregnant, already, her body doing what it knew to do without thought, without plan, as women had done for a million years. She was having my baby. I came then, helplessly, my mind lost to it, joy and love and insanely, fiercely protective of this woman on my lap, this woman against my chest, coming on me, growing a child for me, making me a father and her a mother and us a family. I'm afraid my mind went blank, instinctively holding her, giving my semen and my soul and filling her and giving her pleasure without effort or intention, just being with her in this. She came for a long time, shuddering, relaxing, shuddering again, finding time to breathe between, then hit with another climax. Her baby-making stuff was pretty sensitive I supposed, all those new hormones changing everything. She decided she'd come enough, tired maybe, legs sore, so she repositioned her feet, carefully extracted herself from my lap, let me fall wet onto my leg, let her come leak freely down her thigh. Shuddered again, still coming, staggered. I held her by her waist, waited for her to get her balance. Wow. I had to agree. Wow. Looking at the clock in Billy's room. We have five minutes to get cleaned up, get you on the road. Talk of babies would have to wait. She wandered to the inside door, holding those panties up with one hand, braced herself as she went through. Weaved across the condo to the bathroom in the hall. Sat without closing the door, why bother, peed like a racehorse. I pulled up my shorts, stuffed myself inside. A shower would have to wait until she left. Got a can of her favorite from the fridge. Slapped that ham onto the toast, added cheese, microwaved it for thirty seconds while she mopped herself with Billy's washcloth, rearranged her clothes. Coming out I had the can in one hand, the sandwich wrapped in a napkin in the other. She gave me a peck on the way by. See you tonight, fuck buddy. Oh. 
Nikki and Kelly coming for supper. Like we'd just been talking about the weather, passing the time. I was strangely pleased at that. We had sex because, well, it was just our thing. Her and me, getting together for a little suck and fuck. Bless her horny loving heart. Finding a way to make it okay that Billy was staying here, sexing me up like always, fitting it in, making this all work for all of us. I heard the truck start, saw her pull out, careful to look both ways, shot up the road toward downtown. Better at a stick shift than me, smooth as velvet, much better. The condo was quiet, I could hear the clock in Billy's room ticking, that was new. Made the place seem emptier. Not for long. A kiddo on the way, baby stuff and nannies and laundry like no tomorrow. And Billy. Have plenty of time to get her settled, here or in a new place or on her own, that would work out fine I knew, somehow. Went to tell her? Sunday. When I showed her the ring. That seemed right, not too long. Oh. Billy. I cleaned up the hall bathroom, her bathroom, erased the sex evidence, took her sheets and pillowcase and washcloth and towel too, started a load. Then, finally, had time for my shower. And a second attempt at my lunch. Whistling tunelessly over the stove, frying some more leftover ham, sandwich bread in the toaster, planning a ham and cheese for lunch. Content. At peace, in my proper place which was square in the center of heaven. Billy. A lady out in her yard, her two-acre yard, peering around helplessly. Saw me coming up her curved drive, hailed me. Young lady! Young lady! I changed direction, crossed the lawn to hear her better. I'd been invited, right? Not trespassing. My churchgirl manners on like a mask. Yes, ma'am? Can I help you? Is something wrong? Looking all innocent and concerned. My dog! It's time for walkies! I forgot the leash you see, went back for it, and maybe I left the front door a teensy bit open, and now I can't find her. Have you seen her? Well, this was right up my alley. What does she look like, ma'am? Snowball? Oh, all fluffy and white, with the cutest little nose and a sweet expression. She's out here all alone. Oh, my little snowball. Nodding, I took out my notebook, started making chicken scratches. What kind of dog, ma'am? How large? She noticed me, really looked at me for the first time. Ah, uh, standard poodle. About so tall. And she held her palm out at her waist, which was mid-thigh for me because this lady was tiny. I noted the time, wrote that down. On the clock. See how long this one takes, maybe start keeping stats so I could improve my time. What are you writing there? Are you some kind of investigator? My cue. I pulled a card from my pocket, handed it to her between two fingers. She looked red lit up. I heard about you. From Mrs. Gage. You found her earring. Yes, ma'am. I think I can find your dog, your snowball. It may take some time, she's got a bit of a head start. If you'll agree to engage my services, I'm sure I can wrap this up quickly. I waited, saw her look at the card, look at me, look around helplessly. If you prefer to wait, I'm sure animal control will call in a day or two. Who knows what mischief Snowball may get up to in that time. Being a female dog probably has papers, it could mean what pups. The shame of any fancy dog owner. She figured that out quick, nodded. I'll get my checkbook. If it would be more convenient, you can settle up when I return Snowball? This lady was good for 80 bucks, hell probably good for 80,000. I could trust her. Relief on her face, not because of the money I'm sure, but because somebody was on the case. If it would be possible for me to take her leash with me? That could help calm her when I find her. She noticed she was still holding it, thrust it out to me. Perhaps we can just verify Snowball isn't hiding in the house? Oh no. She's a good dog. Trained to bark when I call her name. I called and called in the house, and she didn't answer. I'm sure she's out here somewhere. That was possible. I wasn't counting on it. Dogs like to den up, hide in some small space when they were feeling vulnerable. Snowball could be behind the couch or in a closet. But mustn't contradict the customer. If it comes to it, Greg can check that out, probably without setting foot in the place. I wasn't sure how that all worked but he'd known about me before he came in the door that first day. And clearly Jillian hadn't told him. She told him my story when she got home like he never heard squat. I'll scout around the property then. Look for possible routes in and out, places a dog might like to explore or hide. She nodded, waved an arm to indicate I had the run of the place. All good so far. I said I'd be in touch, started around the house looking over the landscape as I went. It was pretty obvious Snowball wasn't out front. The lawn was entirely green and groomed. Just one patch of roses and a brick border. I peered behind when I got that far. Side of the house fence between this one and the neighbors. No place to lurk. I went along the fence, checking for gaps. None. Not that she couldn't just go around, but I might get lucky. Find her exploring a neighbor's yard through a hole. Nope. Back the golf course. Right off the deck it began, a precious little stone path leading to the golf cart road that ran around the perimeter. The course ground spread out to the horizon. Must be acres and acres. Lots of places for a dog to lie low, sand pits, rough ground. I spent a minute just staring, looking for motion. Other than a foursome in a cart motoring across a fairway, nothing moved. No backyard to speak of at all. Nothing a dog could hid behind. Around to the other side a real hike. This place was the size of a motel. A largest shed. I peeked through the tiny window golf cart garage. If you had the money, why not? And another fence. Another green carpet running back to the front. No snowball. But kiss so far. Back to the front and Mrs. Gabuck still calling snowball. Snowball. Like she might pop up out of the ground if she yelled long enough. I approached to give a status report. As you know, there are large avenues of approach that a dog could use. 
A squirrel or a car could have led her astray. My snowball does not chase cars. I nodded, always agreeable. But all dogs chase cars. Snowball probably hadn't ever had a chance to try. Hell, even chase golf carts? But then a club member would see her, likely even recognize her. Since no phone calls had been reported I would leave the golf course for last. I'm going to expand my perimeter, search the neighborhood. If I could trouble you for some of Snowball's favorite food? Helps me gain her trust when I find her. That made sense to her, she trotted inside, came to the door with a small sack in one hand. I took it heavy. Thanked her. Told her I'd give her an update later today. Left her looking bereft on her step, scanning the street, the neighbor's yards, hoping Snowball would appear. I hoped, unkindly, that Snowball wouldn't just show up at home. It would be hard to collect a fee if the mud returned without my hand on the other end of her leash. Maybe it was foolish to offer to settle up afterward. I'd risked my upfront money. Well, call it a loss leader. The business was still young. I struck off across the street, walked a block away from the house, got some distance between me and home. That bag got heavy fast. What was in there? Three cans of dog food. And a can opener. That was thinking ahead. Nice life. That dog food looked better than some of the stuff I got served growing up. Scanning the street as I went, eyeballing cross streets, I hollered Snowball a few times without much hope. It was going to take more than calling her to get her to surrender. She was probably having the time of her life sniffing garbage cans, digging up flower beds, crapping on sidewalks. But I had a plan. She would get hungry, especially after herring around with wild abandon. She'd expect her lunch in a bowl with maybe a crystal goblet of water. She'd start wondering where that was going to come from. I would set a trap. But I needed some supplies. Passing through the regular rich neighborhood, and the old but now shabby row of Victorians I got to the repair shop and corner market area. And there a pet shop. In the door, dingle dingle, find the doggy dishes, buy three of the cheapest. Pay from my wad that still shocked me every time I remembered I had it. A thousand bucks. Walking around money. Stopping at a bodega I got a large water bottle. Per snowball would be a thirsty bitch when I found her. I wasn't cruel, I'd have water ready. Back up the hill, and where to set my lures. A standard poodle was a hunting breed, could cover ground quickly. That suggested wide placement. I began to wish I had a scooter or even a bicycle. Got to hit Greg up about that. Or maybe not. They didn't cost anywhere near a thousand, not a cheap one, a used one. I could just buy it, turn in the receipt. He wouldn't even blink, I was pretty sure. Got to start thinking like a businesswoman, not a kid beholden to every adult I met. Today I would hoof it. When I got about even with the home base I set my bag down, sat on the curb. Got out one can, the can opener. Cranked it, dumped half into one of my brand new doggy dishes. Sat it by a bush, where folks walking by might not notice but a dog would absolutely smell it. Pack up, hoof it six blocks west, repeat. Hike back to my first lure nothing. Keep going, another six blocks. Getting thirsty, crack open Snowball's water bottle, take a swig myself. Set my third lure, corner of a parking lot, a storage lot for mobile homes and such. Rich people weren't happy with just a ginormous house, they had to have one on wheels too. That they hardly used, and paid to have sitting around all year gathering dust. Now nothing to do but monitor my lures, wait. This part was gonna suck, twelve blocks to cover, who knows how many times around. Well that was my strong point, young and fit and full of energy, right? The second trip down and back, no luck, my feet beginning to ache, a blister probably. That bike was a cert now, I was gonna get that before I went home, tonight. Starting to doubt myself, my business plan, approaching the storage lot, thinking unkind thoughts about folks on the street and rich people house toys sitting here idle, and there she was. Big, big poodle, startlingly big, a standard was no slouch. Was once white but clearly been rolling in the dirt, brown and gray streaks over dirty white. Going for the dog food, pushing the dish around, having trouble, couldn't get a proper bite. Snowball wasn't the sharpest pencil in the pencil box. I called her name, saw her start, look up. Ready to bolt. I stopped, waited her out. Got a little closer, saying her name soothingly stopped. She looked at me, her tongue lolling. Thirsty. I sat, cracked my bottle, her bottle of water, poured some in my hand. Slurped it up myself, making a show of it. She was hooked, looked at my hand like it was the holy grail. I filled it again, held it out to her. All caution thrown to the wind, Snowball bounded over, lapped up the water greedily. I poured more, more as she splashed it around, getting at least some in her, mostly on me. Stop pouring, let her lick off my hand, my arm. With my other hand fished her leash out of my bag, thumbed the latch slider. Reached to her head, gave her a pat, moved to her neck. Got the latch over her narrow collar, snap. Okay girl, we're gonna get you home. She looked up, noticed the leash, lost some of her bravado. I could actually see her shoulders droop, her wild rumpus at an end. You had a good day, right? It's time to go home, take a bath. Get some loving up by your worried mama. You'll be fine. I wrapped the leash around my arm so she couldn't possibly escape. Walked her to the bowl, held it so she could eat. When she licked it clean I filled it with water, let her drink. Dumped what was left in the grass, stashed the doglick bowl in my bag and headed home. Snowball! You naughty girl! Oh oh oh! She was crying, had actually been very worried. All her stress melted, her precious dumb pup back in her arms. Look at you! What have you been doing? What has my naughty girl been getting into? She looked pretty horrified at her once white dog. Dirt, sticks, maybe grease. Pretty sure some poop tangled in those fluffy bits. Probably not even her own. She seems okay ma'am. But for the dirt. 
She's had a wild day. Found her over in the RV storage lot, looking for water. Fortunately, I had some with me. You clever girl. Oh, how can I thank you? Oh, my checkbook. Let me get Snowball into the house. I'll bring it out. I followed her to the door, took the liberty of going in the entryway while she fussed over her baby. Didn't want that heavy front door closing in my face without seeing some scratch. Sat the unused can on a table by the door. She eventually returned with the checkbook, checked my card, wrote it out for the right amount, all square. I took the check. Glad to be of service. If you have any cause to mention my name to your friends, it'd be such a help to me. Your good word would be more valuable than gold. She seemed tickled at that, took a half dozen of my cards. Showed me the door, closed it. So much to do. Getting her doggy to the groomer. Emergency visit. The groomer? She couldn't wash her dog herself? Well, of course not. What money was for, I suppose? I looked at the check. My first earned money. Never had a job where I got to keep any of what I earned. It had all gone to the family, the church. Felt a little lump in my throat. Not over the money. I had ten times that in my pocket. But because this was mine, mine and Greg's, earned by us, our business, for us to keep. Like grown-up responsible people. Leaking a little from my face, I headed down the hill. Done with marketing today. I remembered a thrift shop near the pet store. Had a bike out front, about my size. 